What is up, movie nerds? That's right, it is time for the first ever episode of 3FN Rewind right here on the 3FN Podcast Network, if you will. That's right, and of course, I am your host, Rich, and joining me for this very first episode, you know I'm also from the 3FN Podcast. He is also the Optimus Prime to my Megatron. Hey, it's Ron. What's happening, people? By the way, that rhymed. On, I, I didn't even <laughs> think it was going to rhyme, but that's pretty awesome. It works very well. I should I should use that more take, often. Take, take it easy. It's my first time. It's your first time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's what they all say. Well... Well, it, it is the first time here. Yes. we've done this. I've done this a ton of times over on the flagship Three FN podcast, and uh, we, we'll just start off there. Uh, obviously, like we did a couple months ago, we started doing the Three FN Horror Show, where we review all horror movies. Mm-hmm. We decided, hey, you know what? We like reviewing movies so much. We do that twice a month, or you know, let's twice a month do just older movies right, that like we don't that. get a chance to do. So Three FN Rewind. We're rewinding back the time, and uh, we, we got a gimmick for all of next year, which we'll get into next year. Right. And but if you don't rewind, you know it's going to be fifty cents extra. Yeah. Be kind and rewind. Be kind and rewind. So yeah, we have. Uh, it's kind of an interesting time, and we figured, hey, fuck it. Listen, we're content creators. Why not create content? I. I mean, you would think making too much content would be bad, but. For some reason, we seem to be doing okay with making content. So yeah, I mean, I, I prefer to make content. I yes. like I like making content. I do too, and that's what we do here. So hopefully, you guys will enjoy the extra content in this very first episode. We are in the Christmas season. We are. So we thought, hey, why not hit you with a holiday slash Christmas adjacent movie? That's what I'm calling them these days. <laughs> Lethal Weapon. It is. You know, uh, on the on the on the channel on Three FN Podcast later in the month of December, we are doing Die Hard right before Christmas. Yes, we are, and it is a Christmas adjacent movie as well. Yes, it is, and that is my new word for it. Yeah, I I'm going to open up here. There's people who will argue that it's not a holiday film. They'll also argue that about Lethal Weapon and Gremlins and a bunch of other things. And at the same time, they're they're not wrong. In a genre of Christmas holiday films, there's usually something that ties together the holiday, the magic of the holiday season. There's usually some kind of love interest or some kind of problem that either Santa Claus, Frosty the Snowman, or just the Christmas miracle magic. <laughs> we don't know how it works. We, we don't know how it works. Solves it. Like, honestly, we just we just recorded Violent Night this past week for the 3FN podcast proper. And I said, hey. There's an element of a Hallmark Christmas movie in this movie. So nobody can ever say that it's not a Christmas movie. You know, because somebody, even though there's Santa in it, I've heard that Fat Man is also not a Christmas movie. And I'm just kind of like, well, it is, but it's not in the way of how you dictate normal Christmas movies. So now I just call them Christmas or holiday adjacent. Yeah. And that's what Lethal Weapon is. And that's what Die Hard is. And that's what Gremlins is. And I would also argue a Christmas story is as well. And True. while we're at it, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which is one of uh, their two of my all-time favorites. Yeah. But here's the thing. People usually don't lump them into Christmas adjacent. They say, no, 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 those are Christmas movies. Really? How? <laughs> if you took them, other than the fact that they're set at Christmas, if you took them out, you could still make that movie. Yeah. There's, I mean, it, there's no Santa really in the, in the, any of those. There's no um, Christmas miracle saving yeah, the day. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, there's no Christmas miracle in any of those. Right. Exactly. Like, like it's, it's just 
They just around Christmas time. Right. So if your argument is that, so you know what? Out there, we're going to save arguments. Christmas adjacent movies. Sounds like and a if you believe, And by the way, if you believe it's a holiday film, rock on. If you believe it's not a holiday film, rock on. <laughs> there you go. It's Problem is solved. You still watch it. <laughs> world peace, baby. World, world peace. peace. We'll, we'll peace. achieve world peace. <laughs> uh, my favorite Christmas movie is still a Christmas movie. That's Scrooged. Because yes. it does deal with Christmas miracle. Yes. After all, it's just based on a Christmas carol. I saw that. I watched the new one, the Spirited. The Spirited? Oh, yeah. Spirited, with, the with, new take? Yeah. Yeah. With uh, Ryan Reynolds and uh, Will Ferrell. Well, of course, you're going to be into that because Ryan Reynolds I, is the I, movie. I know. And then get comedy with Will Ferrell. I mean, I might be getting it Eiffel Towered. Well, I also got to give that the quick warning because this is the first episode that, unlike the 3FN podcast proper, where we give you the spoiler alert. We, this is all one, there's not There's not a break in the show, there's nothing like that. This is all full bore, full steam ahead, and because we're dealing with older movies, you just are going to imply that there's a spoiler. I'm going to be doing a warning before, in future shows, we're going to be doing some production stuff into the new year, but on the first show, I'm not doing, I'm not going over the top, we're just going to do it this way, and I'm just going to forewarn you, we will be talking spoilers, and because this movie was made in 1987. Uh, if if it's going to be spoiled, I don't understand how. Uh, and on this show in particular, we will never be reviewing new movies. So it's already going to be implied that there is a spoiler. There won't be a spoiler-free recommendation. Nope, nope, nope. None of that. It will just be, we'll give you the stats, and then we'll go right into the review when we get to that portion. But before we get there, I want to implore all of you to check out the website, 3FNpodcast.com, where you can get all of our social media links so you can... Uh, conversate with us because we always love hearing from you also you can get the patreon link patreon.com slash 3fn podcast for as little as one dollar a month you get a ton of extra bonus content that's on the website as well also the t public links there friends of the show like the odph podcast that's also their music directory is there as well check it out give some of the bands there uh a listen to including our good friends shout at the robots and so many more go ahead and find them on spotify youtube music and Bandcamp. also while you're there check out the local sponsors who help bring you these shows commercial free each and every week shout out to dragon master games for all your magic the gathering and gaming needs visit them on the World Wide web dragonmastergames.com for being the main sponsor as well so now that we've gotten past all of that stuff ronald are you ready oh yes to dive in to lethal weapon oh yes okay so lethal weapon was released on march 6 1987 it has a runtime of 112 minutes the movie was directed by the late, great, legendary Richard Donner. Oh, that's uh, right. He started his career in the 1960s on every major TV show known to man. Yeah, he, did. he directed on them. He wrote on them. It's amazing. But uh, before before doing uh, Lethal Weapon, the original Lethal Weapon, he uh, was the director of The Omen, Superman 1 through 3, mm-hmm. The Toy, and of course, one of our personal favorites, The Goonies. Yes. After Lethal Weapon, he would go on to do all of the sequels in this franchise, so Lethal Weapons 2 through 4, and also, I just mentioned it, my favorite holiday movie, Scrooge. He was yes. the director of that as well, and his last movie that he did, last major motion picture, was 16 Blocks. Uh, unfortunately, as I mentioned before, he's no longer with us. Richard Donner died on July 5th of 2021 at the age of 91. Yeah. Uh, but Richard Donner, tremendous career. I think mostly remembered probably... For the Goonies and Superman. Not yeah. the, but in the horror realm, the omen is huge. So he did a lot of great things in his career. Oh yeah, he did. He, he was a solid director. Like it's one of those things he he was our childhood, basically. I mean, between Superman, Goonies, Lethal Weapon, like I mean, we grew up watching him, so Absolutely. 
Absolutely. This movie was written by Shane Black, uh, who would also come back to pen Lethal Weapons 2 through 4. He's also the writer of The Monster Squad, another favorite of ours. <laughs> another really big favorite of ours, Last Action Hero. That's such an underrated movie. Iron Man 3. Yeah. yeah, and you know, oh, it gets a little more questionable because he's done a lot of like smaller I mean, stuff. But the last major picture he did, The Predator in 2018. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch that one, <laughs> so so he's got a mix. He's written some great stuff and uh, some not so great stuff. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to be a complete writer all the time. Something slipped through the cracks. I agreed. Also on this movie, Jeffrey Boehm is uncredited on this movie uh, before. The Lethal Weapon, he did The Dead Zone. Also, uh, after The Lost Boys, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, Lethal Weapons 2 and 3, The Phantom. Ooh. Unfortunately, uh, Jeffrey Boehm died on January 26, 2000 at the age of 53. So, yeah, uh, some great legendary shit in there, though. And he also did a lot of TV and other stuff. We usually don't go into everybody's, you know, yeah, entire so. filmography because we'd be here all day. Like... I mean, the only really bad one is the Phantom out of that, but like the Phantom wasn't horrible. Listen, but. I still enjoy it. I, I oh, agree no, no, that no. it's not good, but it, I enjoy yeah, it. No, like it, it's one of those, uh, you know, early superhero movies that just didn't take off as well. But uh, like the Phantoms, hit it. Big Phantoms character. like a well, that's Phantoms with uh, yeah, the, Phant the Phantom like a motherfucker. Billy Zane like a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. uh, next up, let's talk about the cinematographer on this film. It would be Stephen Goldblatt. Uh, he also would be come back to do Lethal Weapon 2, Joe versus the Volcano, The Prince of Tides, hmm. Batman Forever, eh. Batman and Robin, eh. Charlie Wilson's War. Not, I mean, the Batmans aren't his fault. And most recently, The Intern. Okay. So he's got a mixed bag in there. And, uh, and once again, visually, the bat, the Batman, uh, no, Batman they, Forever and Batman and Robin looked amazing. They, they look great. They look almost, they look very uh, comic bookish at the time. So like it. It's what it was. I mean, he didn't do a bad job. It just was bad movies. I'm just saying, you go from TV to doing Lethal Weapon, then Lethal Weapon 2, then Joe versus the Volcano, and then there's a jump to the Prince of Tides. Yeah. Like, that's kind of like genre splitting. Yeah, it is. It's a it, good job, though. Yeah. Kudos to him. All right, let's talk about who stars in this movie, Ron. Ooh. First up, Mel Gibson, what? who plays Martin Riggs. And we get Mel Gibson butt. Yes, and uh, of course, before he was in Lethal Weapon, you might remember him from Mad Max, The Road Warrior, and Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, as mm -hmm. those were his big franchise beforehand. After, he would go on to do all of the sequels, so Lethal Weapons 2 through 4, Forever Young, oh, Jesus. Maverick, and then two of my personal favorites, Braveheart and The Patriot, and most uh, then uh, The Signs, and most recently... Fat Man, amongst a lot of other smaller movies yeah. and uh, other things that he did. I mean, he went on to produce films, direct films. So, yeah. you know, and he had a little tape that he put out that uh, was not him putting out. But, you know, <laughs> well, uh, you, you know, know. You know, that's what happens when you leave a voicemail or message on an answer machine. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you might as well not do it. Uh, listen, anytime you think about leaving a voicemail, just don't, don't. Don't. Especially if you're drunk and or high on some substance. Yeah, but sometimes you just, it happens. <laughs> just once again, just don't. And if you didn't learn that, go back to when we uh, did Barbarian. Because remember, in Barbarian, Justin Long learns that as well. Uh, next up, star-wise, Danny Glover. 
playing Roger Murtaugh. By the way, he also started his career off in the late 50s, early 60s, and he was in a ton of television and westerns, like what's crazy, but as far as movies go, before this, he was in two big movies. He was in Escape from Alcatraz, Yes. and he was in The Color Purple, Yes. which is probably what got him the job here because he yes. was... Mel Gibson, big name for Mad Max. Danny Glover coming off of Color Purple, which yeah. won a, all the awards, let's be honest. Yeah, that definitely... He played a real cocksucker in that film, but whew, like probably one of the most vile bad yeah. guys in a lot of ways. I understand that it's not like it's a drama, but I would still say yeah. he's one of the most vile bad men of all time. I, I can see that. And then he goes on to be the beloved Roger Murtaugh. <laughs> of course, he would come back after uh, Lethal Weapon. He would come back to do Lethal Weapons 2 through 4. He was also in a movie that I do enjoy, Predator 2. Maverick, where he was uncredited, if you remember. He was uh, one of the bank robbers, yep. and then he, he dropped his classic, I'm getting too old for this shit, just yep. to let you know. That was kind of a little tongue-in-cheek. It was fun. Yeah. Also, he was in Angels in the Outfield, Gone Fishing. He was in the original Saw, Shooter, 2012, and The Dead Don't Die, most recently. And he's done a lot of TV and everything in between. I mean, everybody knows who fucking Danny Glover yes, is. Yes, I kind of forgot he was in Saw, actually. No, he said it. Yeah, I, haven't, I haven't watched it in so long. Think about it. He was the main yeah, police officer. He was. Once you said it, I went, oh, shit, that's right. Next up, <laughs> speaking of troubled people and trouble in the future, but not in there, <laughs> Gary Busey <laughs> as Mr. Joshua. Uh, before, he was in, uh, also long ass career before the last american hero the original not sorry the original the original remake of a star is born the one that yes. had chris christopherson and babs in it and then uh of course he's most famous for the buddy holly story where he played buddy holly that's right and silver bullet yep the the werewolf the stephen king yep. werewolf uh, movie after he was in this he also was with danny glover in predator 2 mm -hmm. point break we yep. all remember that the original not the, the not the remake under Siege, yep. Rookie of the Year, mm -hmm. Surviving the Game, which is oh, we're so. fans of. And uh, the last one I wrote down was Black Sheep. After that, he did a lot of small films. He played himself in a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> because he's become a caricature. Yeah, yeah. And most recently, he's in trouble. Well, so. you know, he was just sitting in a park by himself. Well, no, he was, uh, that was at that convention. Which was all the weekend before Sci-Fi Horror Fest, and we were like, "Please don't let anybody Gary Busey here." <laughs> <laughs> so that that became a you know a thing. Next up, Mitchell Ryan as the general, and uh, if you when you see Mitchell Ryan's face, you know him because he's been in a ton of TV and, and movies. He's just one of those character actors that shows up in everything. Uh, before he was like I said, a ton of TV. After this, he was back in a ton of TV, including the Golden Girls, which I had to give a shout out. I know yep. we don't usually cover TV, but if you're in the Golden Girls, we'll cover that. <laughs> uh, but then he was also in Hot Shots Part Two. Yep, Judge Dredd, of course, Halloween: The Curse of Michael Myers, Liar Liar. Uh, gross point blank and unfortunately we lost Mitchell Ryan on March 4th of 2022 at the age of 88 so That's he's right. no longer with us rest in peace Mitchell Ryan but uh, definitely a great character actor and last but certainly not least on the stars that we're going to point out here because you know we don't go through the whole cast but we have to go with this man because when you think about 1980s cinema and you think about sex symbols Ironically, in 1980 cinema, a man who, whenever he's in a movie, you can be sure he's having sex with the hottest chick in the movie. Not this movie, by the way. This is one of the few. But let's be honest. He had he got. This is the generation where he got to have sex as a main lead in a bunch of movies. You've, we've seen his ass more times than you see Mel Gibson's ass in this film. True. And that, of course, is the great 
Tom Atkins. Yep. Uh, he played Michael Hunsaker. Uh, before this, he did a bunch of small roles in TVs and minor films up until 1980. Like I said, the band of the 80s. <laughs> and that's when he did The Fog with Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, that's right. And uh, he has a sex scene with Jamie Lee Curtis in that movie. Also, he was, he was in Escape from New York. He was in Creep Show, Halloween 3, where he has that steamy sex scene. Also, Night of the Creeps with a good friend, Joe Whitlow. That yes. was all before Lethal Weapon. After Lethal Weapon, he did Maniac Cop, and then we went back to do a bunch of TV and small uh, movies. They didn't, they didn't remake that one. Yes, Maniac Cop should come back. They did a ton of sequels, too. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Tom Atkins, the man of the 80s. Yeah, definitely. And you never, I never understood the 80s. Him and our good friend, Steve Gutenberg. We're like big sex symbols. I don't know how. <laughs> well, they were coming off the 70s. So you know what? All... The guys like us, we would have done better in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Just throwing it out there. Uh, the budget of Lethal Weapon was $15 million. Ron, would you like to guess its box office? Uh, $15 million? I'm probably $18 million. Damn, you're far off. $120.2 oh. million. Dollars. I didn't know it was that Lethal big. Weapon. Now you know why there was a franchise, Ron. <laughs> now you know why there was a franchise. Well, that's when people didn't know, have taste in the 80s. Oh, man, you you now know why Lethal Weapon had a franchise, Charlie. So are you ready to dive in? Once again, this will be spoiler-full. There's no spoiler-free, just so everybody knows, and we're clear on the first one. I definitely want to hammer that home before somebody gets mad about it. So are you ready to dive in to Lethal Weapon? Let's go. Okay, so as you know, we don't go scene for scene in Lethal Weapon. But what makes this a Christmas-adjacent movie is you open with Jingle Bell Rocks. You open with Jingle Bell Rocks. You open with uh, Mel Gibson's, like, I mean, I, I you actually open with Danny Glover's family and all that stuff. Well, no, first you open with the young lady who killed herself. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's and, and, and her, we see her very briefly, but we yeah. see we see her boobs the whole time. I yeah. feel like she was a way to get boobs in the movie. There was, because, you know. And she's know. looking like she's very horny. Yeah. Do you want to make your honey, baby? <laughs> she, she, she's there, you know. Before that, taking a, a swan dive. Right. Great form, by the way. Yeah, true. From probably, what, 15 stories up, easy? Easy, yeah. It was, it was the penthouse suite of whatever hotel. And it was just smash. Smack. Car gone. Car gone. Boop, boop. That's where you open. But then, yeah. yes, we fast forward on Dude. over to uh, the Danny Glover scene. And the only reason I'm going to talk about these scenes... It's because that's how weird this movie is. You open this movie, Jingle Bell Rocks, you get into a little more of a serious like drama music. We have this scene, and then we get <laughs> we get Danny Glover's family wishing him happy birthday. Am I the only one that finds it odd that the naked man in the bathtub that's not a bubble bath, but a bathtub, <laughs> and his whole family comes in to basically sing him happy birthday and wish him well, and he has a full-on conversation with his 17-year-old daughter. Well, in the bathtub, naked. 80s was a different time, man. 80s was a different time. I'm you, just saying. You, 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 you know, you could do that. <laughs> and then we get introduced to Martin Riggs, who he's fucking crazy. Crazy. He's all crazy, crazy Martin Riggs, baby. He's so crazy. He's so edgy. He's all there. But that's the only reason I wanted to mention this, because yeah. the two parts of this movie, it's, it's a weird open, but you're like, okay, cool. We're in. And then you have Murtaugh, naked in a bathtub, which I think I'm more disturbed about that. True. Yeah. So... Let's go into likes and dislikes, and I'm going to say right off top that my first like and dislike that I want to talk about kind of encompasses a lot, but I think it has to be said because it is a like and a dislike at the same time. This movie is 1980s cinema. Yes, it is. This movie, for better and for worse, is cocaine-driven yes. 1980s cinema because this movie's all over the fucking place. It, 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 
Maximum Overdrive has a better cohesive story than this movie does. <laughs> like, like dead serious. I rewatched it last night, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? It cuts from scene to scene. Yeah. And, and my absolute worst, the worst thing I can say about this movie is the score of this movie is fucking terrible. Like, I don't know why there was, there was any thought that, like, you have, like, this is where it gets the worst. Very early on in the movie, we get one of the most powerful scenes of any movie. True. If it wasn't for the score. Yeah. Because the score takes it out of it. So we have, you know, Riggs. We find out through, you know, believe it or not, they did a great job to just telling a story without telling a story. We, we find out that his wife has been murdered, you know, and he's mourning and he's upset and he's, he's lost it a little bit. And he puts a bullet in his gun and originally puts it to his head and then he moves it to his mouth. Super powerful acting by Mel Gibson, by the yeah. way. Like, you get the tears coming out of the eyes. He's fucking trying to fight back, pulling the fucking trigger. Like, if this was not undercut by a score that sounds like like you're watching the heat of the night, <laughs> if True. people remember that show. No, I do. If that wasn't in the back, up. Think about it. It does. But if, if that wasn't in the background... This is one of the most powerful scenes that I you could ever watch. Which comes back around later in the movie, which was also powerful. Right, but once again... But the, but the score it. kills it. Yeah. I, I agree with you 100%. It's, t- it's terrible. Yeah. And, like, they picked the wrong music for the wrong times in this movie, and they picked the wrong places to put said music. True. Like, and it was just really weird to me that those decisions were made, especially when this is a movie directed by Richard Donner. Yeah. Who is known to be a great director. Yeah. And he's been known to put great scores and stuff in there, but it was the 80s and they thought they had to score everything. Yeah. And that's the problem. If you were going to remake this movie, I'm not saying that this should be, but if you were going to remake this movie, you could take, if as long as the actor that you hired could deliver the performance, you could take that scene, erase the fucking music out of it, and it's one of the most powerful scenes you'd ever see. Yeah. You, you don't need music for that. Most powerful movie, you know, it's just crazy. That you would just step all over. And it happens all throughout the movie. You get that. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. And it, mind you, it's on a saxophone. It's like 80s sax style. It's like they hired the dude from the fucking Lost Boys or something. I don't I know. That was Bill Murray's or um, Bill uh, Clinton's first uh, could saxophone. Have been. It could have been. <laughs> Jeez. Sorry. Bad the joke. governor, of, The governor of Arkansas at the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's just really, really, really crazy that they made these like terrible, in my opinion, terrible decisions with the score. Yeah, I agree. And it stepped all over what should have been, like, a great, great moment. Right, because, it, it, like, that scene that early, I think it just ended up being because it was so early on and it didn't want to bring the movie down. But the movie jumps around so much that it's like you needed that powerful scene there to show that he is, you know, because that, that's the big thing you know, through the whole movie. He's going through like, some shit. He's going through some shit and everybody just thinks he's crazy because he's a, he's a war vet. And he's just, you know, people just like, oh, he's, you know, the the, the police psychiatric doctor is like, oh, he, he he's a danger to himself and everybody else. He just wants to die, blah, blah, blah. And she, a, she uses the word death wish at one yeah, point. And yeah. I was like, hat Charles Bronson. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you know, ruining that scene with the score is like, all right. And then, but it makes a full circle because he's there with Danny Glover and he's like. Oh, I'm just going to... Yeah, you think I'm crazy. After, after the jumper. Yeah. So he stops the jumper by jumping with the jumper into yeah. a crash pad Yeah. after he was told not to kill the guy. And he's like, no, I, I'm not going to kill him. He's like, I brought him down. So now, you know, there's some static. They're, yeah. They're arguing in the store, this empty store. 
And yeah, he pulls the gun. Yeah. He tells him to use his own. Danny Glover gives him his gun, tells him to put it in his mouth. Uh, first, he puts it in his head. He's like, no, no, you could lift it. Oh, yeah, or, or under the chin. And he goes to pull the trigger. And he is like this real tense scene. And once again, score all over yeah. the back of it. And he puts his finger in front of it because he was going to pull the fucking trigger. Oh, he, he was about he was about to. He did, he did pull the trigger because you hear the click. Well, yeah, he, he, he put his and, thumb and, in the way. And Glover puts his hand in the way or thumb or. And, it, and he goes, ow. He goes, like, and he's because it clicked and he's like oh shit like he is crazy but he's he's not he's just going through some shit yeah you kind of <laughs> learn that throughout the movie he's going through some shit and even in that scene it's really weird because he got there's a powerful moment in that scene where he's like i find a reason every day to wake up yeah and it's this job yeah and it's that and like and it shows the relationship that him and glover have through through this series because you know right then and there it would have been a totally different scenario obviously i understand movie written blah 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 but like you know, it, it's definitely a totally different movie if they actually killed Mel Gibson in the beginning of this thing like that. Yeah, it would be it would be weird. And and then you, like I said, speaking of like 80s stuff, you get this weird spark because when we meet the general, he's in a fucking club and he's he, he's watching a fucking band play yeah. at a club like nobody's there. They're, I'm assuming they're trying out to, to perform there. It's like, yeah. that's what this heroin dealer that was a former that's, special teams leader is doing? That was 80s. Once <laughs> that, again, that's the solid 80s. 80s. That's Fucking like, 80s. You, you get Likes that. and dislikes. Thanks. Like, I'm okay with the action part of it because, like, nonsensical action scenes, 1980s. We're yeah. in. Well, we'll talk about likes in a minute about those. But, like, some of this other stuff, you're like, fuck, man, if you would have just taken a step back and let some shit breathe, yeah, a lot better movie. I, I remember this being better than it was. I'm just yeah. going to throw that out there. So... With the the likes and the like and dislike of the 1980s affecting this movie, this is a very 80s piece. Like everything, the cars, the the the, the clothing, well, yeah, then there's everything. A, you know, then there's the the cell phone oh <laughs> on my the bridge, God, the, which is the bag phone. Yeah, which is so stupid of a scene because he's like, it's after um, Mel Gibson tries to kill himself in front of Glover and all that stuff, and he Glover's over on the bridge talking on the cell phone, pulled over to the side on a bridge, which has no. Uh, sections to pull over to yeah there's no shoulder uh, no shoulder and he's over there talking quietly on the phone while gibson's just on the back of the freaking car eating a hot dog or something like literally 10 feet away yeah like you're like you're not gonna like this this conversation couldn't have happened later like somewhere but else not to mention he's all quiet on the phone but yeah. then he gets in the car and he's like i'm a dead man yeah. my partner wants to kill himself yeah. we're gonna get di- we're, i'm gonna die I'm gonna like th- look, so he's all thinking this out loud so he's saying it yeah so and of course, Mel Gibson is is pull, like uh, th- I love the writing for Martin Riggs, especially in yeah. that scene where he's basically leading him like, "Well, if I don't kill you beforehand, I'll get you a gift." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't know it was your birthday, man. Uh, happy birthday yesterday. You know, I'm sorry. I'm like, oh, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, man. Like, 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 happy birthday. I didn't know it was your birthday. If we if, if we if we if we make it through and I don't kill you, then uh, I'll well, get you a gift. Yeah, <laughs> which which is actually the one of the fundamental is the relationship that grows between these two characters. Oh, absolutely. Like, like that's very. There is a lot of that character development between these two characters through this movie, which helps this movie <laughs> and the franchise yeah. overall. So let's go to, let, let me go to an, a, a like. I got another like here, and I think that you might have the same like. Gary Busey as Mr. Joshua's badass. Oh, yeah. That's one of, it's oh. probably my favorite performance in this movie. It is a solid performance. Like it starts off in the, the, the club where they're like, the general's like, oh, my men, you can trust my men. They're, you know, to me, they're loyal. They're loyal. You don't have to worry about it. And the guy's like freaking out because he's like, I don't want to mess with anybody else. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, don't worry. And he calls over Gary Boosie's character. He's like, do you smoke? Talking to the guy that he's talking to. And he's like, what? And like, do you smoke? He's like, so he gets the, the lighter out, makes him light the lighter and put and 
Gary Busey's hand goes over and just holds it there. Like, cause he was told to, cause he's loyal. That's what he does. And that's, and it just tells you how he is. And it is a badass character. I just think it wasn't just certain things through the movie kind of kill it. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I, I think that's one of my best, my favorite performances yeah. from the movie is, is from Mr. Joshua. We got some cool action scenes with him as well. Of course, uh, a lot of a lot of controversial stuff in this movie you couldn't do now. Oh yeah, <laughs> some of the language in this movie uh, I'm not going to repeat it because obviously it's 2022. But uh, when the, especially when the the guy who does administers the torture comes in, yes, and uh, Mel Gibson's first or sorry Martin Riggs is a character's first uh, reaction to him, it's like, okay, this is this is an <laughs> 80s movie, definitely. <laughs> but uh, you got a got a like you want to like or dislike you want to throw out there, uh, like just the editing in this movie there's just so much like the dislike of it all it's just like it just jumps around like we said to the point where it's like okay there's a lot of stuff that you have to take into effect that happened off screen and it's one of those things where you don't know if it actually happened or what you know what they cut put on the cutting room floor i don't know if this is one of those movies that should have been you know get a director's cut or something maybe there's a couple scenes that might have helped this you know set things up but it's just like the bad guys just knew too much information and just knew how to go to take care of it, and they just showed up. But, like, even, like, the whole part in getting his daughter back. Like, uh, Gary Busey kills, supposedly shoots <laughs> Riggs, and, you know, they, they like the big... They allow the, him to believe he's dead. Yeah, and then that's the whole catch is, like, oh, they, this is our this is our secret. They don't know that I'm, I'm alive. So that that's their whole basis of the plan is they think... You know, he's dead, and even uh, Busey's character calls up, you know, oh, I'm heard about a thing. Yes, Riggs has got shot and died. Oh, I'm sorry. It will be over there, like his corner's off or something. No, whatever. he calls from a news station. Or a news station. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'll get I'll get Detective that. Martin Riggs is, uh, got shot, and he's, he's, he's passed away. Yeah. So it's like that, that was like their big ploy was, well, Riggs is dead. And then <laughs> so, they find out that he kidnapped his daughter. Yeah. Let's rewind it back for a minute. Like this plot of the movie is all over the place because here's the basic plot of, of, of Lethal Weapon. So the girl you see uh, die in the beginning of the movie is you have nothing to do with that for a moment. Then out of nowhere, after the after the bathtub scene, when uh, uh, Murtaugh puts on some pants yes. and goes downstairs, <laughs> his wife mentions Michael Hunsucker to her to him. And he's like, oh, yeah, he's a buddy of mine from the war. You yeah. know, blah, 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 blah. Well, he had called a couple days ago. She had forgot to tell him. And so then he gets called because he's a homicide detective to the scene of the jumper. We find out that the jumper is Amanda Hunsucker, yeah. who who is Michael Hunsucker's daughter, who is doing pornographic Heroin. videos and, and prostitution, heroin yeah. and prostitution. So then, after the rig stuff and they get together and the crazy stuff we just talked about, they go meet with Michael Hunsucker, who's we find out at this point saved Roger Murtaugh in Vietnam. Yes. So he owes him, and he goes, you owe me, so find these people and murder them. Find these people and murder them is what he keeps saying. He's yelling this in the yeah. bank because he owns a bank. So, yes, he owns a bank. How fucking yeah. crazy is that shit, right? You didn't hook your homeboy up with like a <laughs> loan for his fucking busted-ass fucking uh, yeah. boat, but you know he, yeah. you want him to kill people for you? <laughs> so, anyways, obviously, Mel Gibson privy to all of this because he overhears all of this shit. And uh, when they're on the trail, they're now trying to find... Who killed Amanda Hunsucker? And what we find out, because it's fucking all over the place, is that it all goes back to her father. She wasn't killed because she was just a prostitute or just hooked on heroin or doing yeah. porn videos. She was murdered to keep 
her father, Michael, silent because he had reached out to Murtaugh in a you know in a moment of feeling bad, I guess. Right. And now he's in trouble with Shadow Company, which is a company that Michael Hunsucker belongs to. Yes. And they've been shipping heroin to the States in in bulk twice a year since Vietnam. Yes. And he's a member of this group, and they funnel and launder the money through his bank. So you're like, what the? F- how the fuck do we get here? Like, yeah. like, like it's mind you, Murtaugh almost gets killed at one point. By yeah. the way, for the people who say it's not a Christmas film, when they go to the house where he almost gets killed, the lady says, "Merry Christmas, make yourself at home." Just yep. throwing it out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, then, so like when you get to this point, like it's like, oh, you fuck, and then he gets murdered by Mr. Joshua out of the side of a fucking helicopter because the 1980s and cocaine, presumably, yeah, pretty, pretty much. So, which, which the helicopter makes an appearance later in the movie, which is weird. Yeah, listen, it's it's all over the place. So, like, by the time you get to this point, and this is where you're talking about, you know, driving you nuts, where they believe that Riggs is dead because they now they know that Murtaugh and Riggs are on this case because of, you know, the helicopter scene. So they, you know, mind you, there's an edit where we go from Michael Hunsucker being killed to them questioning somebody on a questionable street corner yeah. where Mel Gibson gets shot. Yeah, for like hours later. Right. But there's an edit that you don't understand what happened yeah. in between. There's, it's almost like boom into boom. Yeah, and it's like, where, where do they get this information from and why are they talking to this guy? And then here comes Mr. Joshua with a shotgun. And blows and, him away. And blows him away. They think that he's dead, but he's wearing a vest. Yeah. So they think he's fucking dead. And it's a shotgun and driving in a car, <laughs> you know, 60 miles an hour, or yeah. 40 miles an hour, and, you know, hits with a shotgun, you know. So in 80s. the meantime, they figure out, uh, they get a call to a, they both get excited. Oh, they think I'm dead. Oh, yeah, we got to up, what up about him? They're fucking super excited about it. And then they get a call that, hey, there's a, like, there's been a body found uh, in a car and you guys are closest, so you should take it. And they're like, well, you know, we have, you know, stuff going on. And then out of nowhere, Murtaugh just drops the line because earlier in the movie, his daughter's going to go on this date with a guy and he's got dimples and blue eyes. And he goes, oh, you're going to tell me to get... The, the victim has blue eyes and dimples. And, and she blonde was like, hair. And blonde hair. And she and the lady on the other side goes, how'd you know that, Sarge? Yeah. And he's like, oh, man. And that's what gets them to rush to his house. Yeah. Where they have kidnapped his daughter. And now they're, like, using the fact that Riggs, they don't know Riggs is alive to do this whole elaborate plan in the fucking desert to get back his daughter. Yeah. And, and once again, I understand it's a movie. And I understand, once again, 1980s is a very big part of this. <laughs> But I'm like, where the f- how is how is this plot line moving along? Yeah, and then it's like, and the, and the plan is just to drop Riggs off in the desert with his sniper rifle, and just have him go and watch the meet with the sniper rifle, and then he just starts shooting everybody. But yet, there's the one dude that just happens to the find ge- the general the finds ge- him. Gen- the general finds him in the middle of the desert because he's like. Oh yeah, I know where you're. I know where you. Where and by I, the way, instead of killing him, yeah. he just clicks the gun. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Like why? Yeah. Mind you, yes, they're special forces shadow company guys, but Martin Riggs is also a special company guy, and he's like even more elite than them because he's yeah. like Phoenix. Uh, yeah. Team. Some, yeah. So it's kind of like a SEAL team, I'm assuming. Yeah. So like, there's a there's a line of dialogue when the general's walking Riggs through the desert, and he he's go he calls him General McCusker. So that we we finally figure out what his name is. Right. That's right. 
And he goes, he goes, oh, I see that you know who I am, Martin Riggs. It's like we did homework on each other. He goes, yeah, Shadow Company. You know, I, I ran in a bunch of you pussies back in Nam. Yeah. That was an easy day. <laughs> like you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, like I guess, I guess, way to go back in, right? So they take him to this the club, which in the back of the club is somehow attached to. We find this out earlier in the movie. Yeah. And it comes to the player. It's like a factory or some shit. Yeah, so like a rundown bullshit factory. Eighties. Yeah, what's good logic? <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm going with logic. And that's where we get the torture, torture motherfucker. Yep. We get uh, yeah, Danny Glover's getting the shit beat out of him. They bring his daughter in. They're gonna fucking you know because they want to know uh, if they know where the shipment's coming, which they don't because they killed Michael Hunsucker before he could tell. Yeah. So, and they're telling the truth. And in the meantime, they got fucking Riggs hooked up to a, hooked up by his hands, you know, and he's underneath water and they're fucking hitting him with electricity, like fucking him up. From, from a battery. Yeah. Car battery. And torture. so the funny part is they, they brought this guy in and he was like a Cambodian fucking torturer. Like they, yeah. that's what he's in the group for. And he's like, ah, you know, as much as I've done, there's a scene with him, Mr. Joshua, as much as I've done to him, there's no way he knows anything. No, you can get it out of him. So Mr. Joshua fucks off. And like, he comes back over. He's like, man, I'm sorry, man. I I don't want to do this anymore. I know you don't know anything. Like, it's a weird fucking scene. And that's enough time for Riggs to fucking pull himself up, wrap the legs around, and pretty much break this motherfucker's neck with his legs. Yeah. And come down because Martin Riggs is a badass. Well, he is. He, he's a jujitsu oh, no. expert and something else. Like, yeah. there's not like. I'm not saying he's not, but yeah. it's fucking crazy, right? Yeah. So then he comes, here I come to save the day. <laughs> like, fucking Martin Riggs just saving the day, man. Yeah. And then he runs. And I, you know what? For the longest time, I'm going to say this. I thought he was barefoot on that chase. He's not. He's wearing a pair of tennis shoes. Oh, I, I didn't pay I attention. caught it because I was like, he. I always thought he was barefoot when he's I chasing. Never, Mind you. Mr. Joshua's getting away in a fucking car. He steals a car to get away in it. And somehow, somehow Martin Riggs runs this fucking car down. Well, because he took the bridge. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Joshua's he's doing a- at least 40 because it's not like he's not speeding. And it's not like he's stuck in traffic either. Yeah, but he, go, he goes, take 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 the left down the third street bridge or something. You'll cut him off. Ready? He also stopped when he yelled at him. So think about that. He's still behind or behind but, time. But that's the, the, uh, all the messed up things in this movie. That At least that covers that part while he got there. And then you get the smash edit to him on the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like really right after that. He's like, so he teleported. Yeah. He's telling you. He pulled the Michael Myers. Still gets away. <laughs> and then... And then in the meantime, Murtaugh, all fucked up, walks back and just happens to know where the secret garage entrance yeah. is. Like, he doesn't know, but he finds it somehow before the general and one of his guys go. And so he fucking shoots up the car. Car flips, lights on fire. There's grenades in the car. <laughs> yeah, just coincidentally. And the, the general can't get out because he's pinned. And he's looking at the grenades, trying to knock them out of the way. And kaboomy, that's it for the general. Yeah. Like 1980s. We had an explosion. <laughs> And now comes the biggest piece of like, what the fuck? And now the only reason we're going over scenes here is because literally this is the what the fuck. <sighs> going, the biggest piece of what the fuck is that they go back to Murtaugh's house because for some reason, Mr. Joshua can't leave enough alone. Yeah. Like he knows that he's his, his company is dead. He doesn't know the general's dead yet, but he knows the company is fucking dead. Yeah. Wouldn't you, as a smart fucking criminal, military mercenary, just get the fuck out of Dodge? I, I would assume he has money saved, so why just get the hell out? Like, right. Leave. So instead, though, he goes to Murtaugh's house where there's a note on the Christmas tree that says there ain't nobody here but the cops or bad guys. There ain't nobody here but the cops. 
And then all of a sudden, a fucking cop car drives through the front of the house that is pinned down by a nightstick on the, 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 on the uh, accelerator. And then when Mr. Joshua dumbly fucking takes it off, Riggs puts a gun to his head and goes, ah, got you now. Yeah. Well, it's like when he pulls up to the, he pulls up next to the cop that's watching the house and the cop's like, what are you doing, sir? Like not even doing his job. And he just gets killed by oh, Mr. Yeah, Joshua. Yeah, it's just like, some dumb shit. Oh, I, oh, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> like, but in the all-time 1980s fucked-up moments, now he's got him my gunpoint. All you have, all these cops are showing up. All you have to do is cuff the man, right? Yeah. Nope. We have to have a fucking fight on the lawn. Yep. That the LAPD is fucking watching <laughs> and and rooting on Martin Riggs. So reasons, bad. man. Reasons, oh. as our friends at the ODPH would oh, say. Oh God, it's reasons, so bad. man. So bad. And then he doesn't kill the motherfucker. Like, not in the fight. He lets him up and he's like, cuff him. And then when they go to cuff him, he produces a gun and all of a sudden Riggs grabs the gun off of uh, Danny Glover, yeah. off of Murtaugh, turns around and fucking boom, 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 smokes yeah. fucking uh, Joshua. And you're just like, why didn't he just kill him to fucking begin with? He could have fucking shot him in the head when he put the gun to his head in the house. Yeah. we did. Why do we need this extra scene? We don't, but... It's. 80s. I mean, it's okay. It's a great action scene. I I, I like the fight. No, but I, it still makes no fucking sense. It makes no sense. But his eighties got to show that he's not a cold-hearted killer. You know that he's. You know he has a heart. You know, and then, you know, it backfires on him basically. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's just how it's just what eighties movies are. Then we go full circle. Riggs goes and visits the grave as his wife before then going over to Murtaugh's. The Murtaugh's, because the whole family, for which is all for the house is all fucking <laughs> plastic to plywooded up. And uh, he goes over and they invite him in. And originally he doesn't come on to come in for Christmas dinner. But then, you know, Danny Glover comes out and brings him in. Roger yeah. brings him in. And uh, they're they're joking as they go. And by the way, Christmas Day, Christmas dinner, Christmas movie. Yes. That's how the movie ends. Christmas miracle that they're alive. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm joking. There's no. no Christmas miracle in this movie. But that is like that end scene for me is what I said, a like and a dislike. There's so much that I did like, like the shootout inside of the fucking club was kind of fun. Like that whole action sequence is fun. It's batshit crazy. Makes no fucking sense, but it's fun. And then even the fight scene at the end, I'd like the fight scene, but it's unnecessary. It doesn't mean shit. And it's just batshit crazy. And then it's like, let's bow, tie it up in a bow and end the movie, which is fine. I get it. But, whew. It's, it's, it's just it's everywhere. Like, I, I, there's there's just things that had to have hit the editing floor that we kind of needed. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. It's 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 a rough one. It was definitely it's definitely crazy and out there. So from that, some you know, I, I gather our likes was the action in the movie was yeah. good. Uh, we we definitely liked some of the comedy you know cuts. Yeah. There was some good comedy in the movie, and yeah, then like on the dislike side, I would say batshit craziness, plot that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I won't even say plot armor because I don't even think there's plot armor. There I just think it doesn't make there. There has to be a protected plot, and that plot changes like I change my underwear. Yeah, there's there's just you go, you go to the murder mystery of. The girl in the beginning, and then it just turns into this roller coaster of heroin, secret service, or military mercenaries bringing in heroin, but bringing in so much heroin that they do it twice a year, and it, they make all their money on that, and obviously, like, just the information that the villains have through all this, it just makes, like, how, how do they get all this information so quickly? 
Well, before we move on to give you the nerd score and my critic score, we're going to have a little fun, just like we do at the uh, 3FN podcast proper, because... Time to play the game. Time to play the game! (laughs) That's right, we're going to play a version of the game here where we're going to take the internet scores from different sites, and uh, Ron's going to see if he can come closest to them. Uh, he's got to be within 0.5 either way, or within five either way, whether it's 0.5 or whether it's five uh, percent. Yeah. Either way, so the ten percent leeway. And if he can get three right, then he wins. If not, the house wins. And if uh, we have when we have a third on, of course he'll play against them or whoever will play against each other. Ron, are you ready to see if you can get this right? Yeah, I really should have cheated on this one because I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> oh, it's, it's interesting. So IMDb out of ten using points, what did they give Lethal Weapon? Six and a half. Man, you were so. So close, but oh, 7.6. Oh. Uh, Metacritic, out of 100%, what did they give Lethal Weapon? Uh, 55. 55, once again. <laughs> so close. 68%. No way. There's no way Critic's giving this eye. All right. Now you got to get the last three correct. Or <laughs> yeah, else the house wins. The house is going to Ra- win. Rotten Tomatoes, critic score out of 100%. I'm saying 155. What? You're gonna you're gonna shit yourself. Eighty percent. Stop. I can't Stop. make this up. Okay, Ron Tomatoes fan score out of hundred percent. Oh god, fans are probably like seventy five. Eighty six percent. Oh, just missed. Eighty six percent. And last but certainly not least, Google users out of hundred percent. Oh god, this is like ninety two. You know what? You got that one. Eighty nine percent. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> you got that one. Eighty nine percent. One out of five ain't bad. One well, out of five. For this ain't mo- bad. Like this movie's not any anything like that. One out of five ain't bad. Now that we found out what the internet thinks, it's always time to find out what we think. Yeah. Well, you know that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, it's Nerd Score time. And for those of you who might not be familiar or just need a crash course on the Nerd Score, the Nerd Score is a three part. It's three parts. It's a whole recommendation. That's what the score is mostly for, is used for a recommendation. But we split it by our recommendation plus entertainment score and critic score kind of mixed in together to give you on one of five levels to tell you whether you should see this movie or not. The Nerd Score, the Nerd Scale is as follows. A one is no. That means it's terrible. You should never see this movie. A two is You've been warned. That means it's not terrible, but it isn't good. So you shouldn't watch the movie. You've been warned. A three is, ah, it's good. This is an average to good film. It's not something you need to rush out and see. It's not an essential movie to watch. However, if you do end up seeing it, you're not going to regret wait, You're not going to regret it. It's not going to be a waste of your time. A four is just take my money. It is what it sounds like. These are very good to great films. They are essential films. There's films that you might even add to your rotation. And they're films that if you have to buy them, rent them, or if it's a newer film, you go see it in a theater. Or if it gets re-released in the case of uh, what's going on these days, you feel free to spend your money. Just take my money. And last but certainly not least is the five spot. And that is Certified Nerd. This is for the legend, wait for it, Dairy Movies. And that, of course, is like Jaws, Jurassic Park, the original Halloween from 1978, and so many more that have been voted on between the show and what we're going to be going over and uh, on this show and other shows that we do in the near future. So that is the nerd scale. Ron, on the nerd scale, what do you give Lethal Weapon? Uh, I'm probably gonna get slack for this. I, I give it a two. Whoa! It's it's, it's too over the point. I get it. Eighties. I get the concept. Just skip to Lethal Weapon two. <laughs> like this. Whoa. This this this. 
I don't think you need to see this one to for the franchise. Uh, after rewatching it, like I wasn't a huge fan of the first one back in the day, but I remember watching it. But like rewatching it now, yeah, no, I uh, just skip it. Just just skip the two. <laughs> well, I'm I'm a little I'm a little bit higher than you. I'm giving it a three. It's uh, it's good. It's, this is this is an average film, and uh, I think there's some nostalgia in there. That's why I was entertained. You know, you know me. Sometimes cocaine fever dream movies. Uh, I'm in for. Well, no, I, I'm with you. I mean, like with Violent Night, like I was I rode that high, and I enjoyed, but I had so much fun with that. That's why. But like this one, I. Yeah. Yeah, and on my critic score, literally, I'm giving it a 5 out of 10. Like, I when I mean this is a right-down-the-middle average movie, I mean it's a right-down-the-middle average movie. Uh, there's, like, action scenes, and there's some comedy that's really fun. I remember this movie being so much better, but I'm sitting there like you. I watched it the night before we recorded this, and I'm going, this isn't the movie I remember, yeah. and God damn, what the fuck? And maybe you're right. Maybe I should have just skipped it, too. I mean, Joe Pesci is in number two. That's what I mean. Like, I think I, I got to rewatch two, but I like when we because I think two is just a better movie. Do not worry. We will be reviewing at some point Lethal Weapon, too. So that will be on the docket in the future for three FN Rewind. If you would like to give us your opinions and your score or tell us we're right, wrong or whatever, make sure you hit us up on social medias for all links, including the social medias. Just visit three FN That is the one stop shop. You can find everything there. And it's just really easy peasy lemon squeezy three FN podcast. Com. Well, that is going to do it for the first episode of 3FN Rewind. We will be back later in the month where we will be reviewing Trading Places. Yeah, that's right. The legendary comedy from 1983, Trading Places. We'll be doing that later in the month of December. Uh, so until we're back on 3FN Rewind, make sure you're checking out the 3FN Podcast Weekly on this channel and also make sure if you're a horror fan you're checking out 3fn horror show because coming up the 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 week after this we'll be doing a 3fn horror show on black christmas until the next time you hear us whether it's on the 3fn podcast proper whether it's on 3fn horror show or whether it's the next 3fn rewind hopefully you're listening to them all but if you're not next time we hear take care of yourselves take care of each other and most importantly be kind and rewind